Tonight, it was not the news that we wanted, right? Despite multiple aggressive Fed rate hikes, the slowing housing market, a slight uptick in jobless claims, inflation, it remains red hot. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Not the news that we were hoping for today when it comes to inflation. <laughs> no, well, yeah, no, um, but it wasn't that bad. I, no, and, it wasn't. I, I, and it wasn't super surprising and it wasn't yeah. all the things, but it wasn't exactly what economists had predicted. It was a tick in the wrong direction. Yeah. And, you know, but I had a nail. respond at least initially to the, you. Did, I had you a nail. It. What did I say yesterday? I said <laughs> it will be volatile. I went out on a limb and said it'll <laughs> be <did>. volatile. <laughs> and, and, you said the market will react and yes, it did. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it'll either go up or it'll go down. Got it right. Uh, actually, it's done both. I mean, yes. you know, right after the news came out, down 500. Oh, it's going to be a fun day. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, one point during the day was up 600, you know, and it's like 1,100 point swing in a couple of hours. I, you know, I, I saw a study yesterday, Amy, that said one out of six people wake up stressed. They didn't they didn't interview advisors because I think it's six out of six advisors. Yeah, you know, when <laughs> yeah. there's news coming out during markets like this, it's like, oh man, what's this gonna be like? And I hope everybody's okay. And yeah, you know, and but this is the world. This is the world we live in. And, and until we get inflation not just under control, but see a good trend of it being under control, we're gonna continue to see volatility. And let's talk about the numbers, right? Yeah. The yearly rate of inflation, basically the same, slipped to 8.2 from 8.3. So moving in the right direction. Um, and of course, if you want to look back to June, that's when it peaked at a 41-year high yeah. of 9.1%. So from June to now, we're down 9.1% down to 8.3%. But yeah. here's where I think the the rub is. The so-called core rate, right? It pulls out food right. and energy prices. Stuff we don't are, need. We, well, yeah. we, don't, we don't have to Stuff eat Stuff that drive. we use all the time, but the yeah. prices are all over the yeah. place all the time as well. To try to figure out, okay, what's what's some more consistency, right? Yeah. Things like how much you're paying for your home or rent, medical care, new cars, those kinds of things. That actually rose last month. And yeah. It rose more than economists were predicting. They said, ah, probably up four-tenths of a percent. It was up six-tenths of a percent. Yeah, and that's that's a big miss. And, and let's start. Let's go back just for a second on the, the big number, the, the consumer price index. Yeah, it went from 8.3 to 8.2. It was expected to go to 8.1. Um, so not that big a deal. But you're right. And, and it's the core price index that I think has people a little bit concerned. But there again, when you look at the numbers, the biggest component is shelter costs, rent. Yeah. OK. And you and I have both seen what's happened in the past year, two years or so. Wait, my house is worth how much more than last year? I went on Zillow and they say I can get how much for it? Well, that translates to landlords that have rental properties saying, you know what, this property is worth a lot more. I'm going to go ahead and bump rates up when the lease comes due. Well, the lease is a 12-month lease in almost every case. So there's a lag time. And that's what we're talking about is lag times. Well, what have home prices done lately? I mean, mortgages are up to what? Seven percent? Yeah. Right? They're at a twenty plus year low mortgage applications right now, right? Yeah, so yeah. I think it is slowing down, but you mentioned that term lag time, and that's exactly what we're yeah. experiencing right now. I mean, Andy Stout's on the show a lot, our chief investment officer. And oh, he had that nailed. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, listen, like the Fed will make these moves and it will take six to twelve months 
for us to see the impacts. Okay, that's like when you order a new refrigerator or a new couch, and right. they say, we will be at your house sometime between 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. <laughs> well, that's a heck of a window. Yeah, yeah. Great. Good luck planning that. Well, good luck planning this. And I think we, um, you know, just feel like, gosh, this has been going on forever. And, you know, I do kind of blame the federal – well, I blame the Federal Reserve on a number of fronts. But from the perspective of when inflation first came into the picture last year, the word was transitory. We laugh at that now, right? We right, laugh about the right. fact that they said inflation, but I think it kind of set this tone or planted the seed that whatever the Fed does can take care of this pretty quickly. Yeah. Right? Can pull yeah. inflation down quickly. But history shows anything but that. Well, and I, I get why people want I mean, you, obviously you want that to be the case. But sure. you, go, you go back to March of 2020 when the pandemic hit and, and all of a sudden we shut down the economy and, oh, my goodness, what's happening? Stocks cratered. Um, you know, three, four months later, it was like, hey, yeah, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, it was at the time when you went through it. But um, over in three or four months, uh, yeah, we, we like that. So I think a lot of people thought this was going to be over in three or four months. And here we are in October and we've seen our 401k balances drop and drop and drop and drop. And, and you know, how long is this going to last? One of the best signs I've seen, Amy, is just talking to regular people. And I, I tend to be optimistic, okay? I, I tend to say— I like this I, about you. Me too. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I know it's going to get better. I just don't know when. But, you know, I say, you know, well, maybe next summer we'll, we'll, I think you'll be happy. And, you know, I can throw out tons of numbers on, you know, rebounds one year after a 20 or 25% drop. But, but everybody out there that I've heard from at least is saying, oh, I hope you're right, but I see this being years and years— when everybody is that pessimistic, that's usually when you're at the bottom. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's going to rebound tomorrow, but you're usually around the bottom. And I look at historic swings in stock uh, prices. And, and, you know, in, in the 1980-1981 recession, when Volcker had to raise rates 4% in about three or four weeks, I'm sorry, three or four months for a basically identical situation. Um, yeah, we saw about a 27% drop in stocks. We're down 25 yeah. You know, 20, 25 percent. So how much lower is there? I almost don't want to ask that question. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just feel like we're somewhere around the bottom and, and the rebounds are generally pretty darn good. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC. You're joining uh, Steve Sprovac and I as we try to make sense of this latest inflation information that's out. What does it mean? Well, one thing that it means, of course, is the Federal Reserve will continue down its aggressive path that we've been seeing lately. In fact, um, just earlier today, right, they were saying economists were predicting about an 83% chance that we were going to see another three-quarter of a point interest yeah. rate hike from the Federal Reserve next month. Well, now these numbers are out 96% <laughs> chance of another super size <laughs> I was going to say, is it like ivory soap, 99.99? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're, well, it, we're heading in that direction. Andy Stout, chief investment officer at Allworth, I, I mean, he's he's been on top of this. He's been saying, yeah, I can't imagine them not doing a three-quarters of a percent increase yeah. in November. And they'll meet again in December. And, and you know, maybe they'll start tapering it back to a quarter percent there. The, the Fed has been pretty transparent in what they need to do. And, and one of the reasons for the, the recent market drop is, is the Fed said, oh, no, this will not be quick. It's it's going to take some pain. I like a perspective I was reading this morning about inflation. And instead of taking a look at September's numbers over the previous September, they were looking at three-month periods. And June was 9% inflation, highest in 40 years. But you know what? Between After that, July, August, and September, it was only a 2% increase in inflation over those three months. 
So what's what's the short-term trend? I hope that we're seeing a much lower month-to-month increase, and that would be a good thing because that tells me maybe the lag time on what the Fed does and its impact on the economy, maybe we're into it. And maybe yeah. the Fed will see that, okay, we're getting to the point where we're accomplishing what we need to, and maybe we don't need much larger rate increases. You just mentioned the Volcker days, right, back in the early 80s. So the inflation rate crossed the 8% barrier in September of 78. It stayed there until February of 1982, right? Four years of the Federal Reserve trying to bring that rate down. That's how long it took. It got back down to that normal rate, 2.5%. In 1983, five years actually. Oh, to you are Debbie down. Downer. Oh, come on now. <laughs> I, but yeah, no, but it was it was 15 percent need... inflation then. 15. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it did. It crossed that eight percent barrier, right? And before that, the the last high inflationary period goes all the way back to 1951. Uh, you know, and it took several years, or 1973, three years to get back once it got above the eight percent. The point here is it takes time. And I think that the Federal Reserve, by using that term transitory at the beginning of all of this, kind of set the stage for, okay. Misleading? Yes. Well, misleading. (laughs) And and the markets respond to that. Any day that we have any economic data coming in that shows, oh, maybe this is working a little bit, markets take off, right? Yeah. And it's like, okay, but this probably isn't the end. And then so two days later, when data comes in, and it's the opposite of that, showing the labor market isn't tightening yet, or or whatever it is, inflation is ticking a little bit higher. It's like, oh my gosh, we thought this was over. Well, why did we think this was over already? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But but here's here's the good news. And I, I've talked about this before. Yeah, Volcker had a, he had to put the hammer down and it put us in a recession. Yeah, stocks dropped 27% in, in the early 80s. Um, and that recession lasted 20 months because inflation was at 15, uh, 15%. When the market rebounded after 20 months of a recession, it didn't last forever. When markets rebounded, they went up over the next five years about 230%. All of these yep. downturns tend to be a lot shorter than the rebounds and a lot less than what you make on the rebounds. And and that's why I, I kind of look at this as every bad day is one day closer to getting through this thing whenever that happens to be. And then, okay, we're back on track. Here's another headline that has to do with inflation. We've been talking about this all week. Social Security cost of living adjustment, right? Today is the day that the numbers came out. And if those if those of you who are on Social Security, well, you're looking at an 8.7% increase for 2023. Woo-hoo. That is the largest in decades. Yeah, but they haven't announced what the Medicare premium in- increases <laughs> yet. Yep. So that'll that, tack on 1% higher, and that'll be how much you, what the government giveth, the government taketh away. But, you know, it, it's good news because the average person is going to get an extra 140 150 bucks. Yep. It feels like you're getting more money, but then you go out and buy stuff and realize, well, I got 140 bucks more, but everything I normally buy to live costs 180 bucks. Yeah, you know, that's the way exactly. it seems. Yeah. In, in these, this cost of living adjustment is tied to one sort of index of figuring out inflation, but it's urban wage earners, like people in cities who are working, and that's yeah. how you decide what retired people are going to get, right? It's not highly reflective of how much you're spending on health care or housing. Makes right? total so, sense, Amy. Come on. Now. <laughs> Come it on. is. This is a government <laughs> program, so it makes as much Imagine sense as you that. would expect for a government program. But keep Keeping an eye on this, I think this will provide maybe some relief. The interesting thing is, is we're a year and a half into these high inflation prices yeah. uh, w- when this will actually take effect. So one thing to keep in mind, to your point, let's see what Medicare is going to cost next year, and then maybe we'll celebrate, right?
Yeah, well, we'll be, we'll be okay. I, I mean, we need these cost of living increases because stuff does cost more. And, and keep in mind, there are also some other numbers that came out. We actually saw jobless claims increase a little bit. Not that I'm happy that there are more people out of work, but that tells bad the news Fed, is good news right now. That tells the Fed it's working, and maybe they don't have to keep raising rates forever. So keep your fingers crossed that we're going to continue to see enough of a slowdown where hopefully you and I don't lose our jobs, but the economy slows down enough to keep the Fed happy and stop raising rates. Here's the all-worth advice. Markets will likely stay volatile until there's evidence that inflation is truly cooling. Be patient, right? Markets have uh, responded in a favorable way every single time after a downturn like this. Did you know the number one party school in the country actually includes retirees? Yes, we will explain. Plus, why this is not the year to procrastinate on that holiday shopping. We're back in three minutes. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. If you can't listen to Simply Money every night, you can subscribe to our daily podcast. Simply Money, it's on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcast. Roth conversion, right? To convert or not to convert? We're going to look at that because there's a lot of people saying now is the time to do it. We're going to walk you through what you need to think through first. So there are some times when you look at something and you say, that sounded like a good idea, but in reality, we probably should have thought through this. Arizona State University, right? Yep. Trying to get more Tempe, diversity onto, onto campus, decided to have a dorm for retirees. Retirees who are paying a pretty penny to live on campus, but they also get to go to classes and learn new things and think about how, you know, the younger kids will be interacting with these retirees, all the wisdom that they have, and it's going to keep these people <laughs> what young. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong, Steve? I, I Why am I feeling creeped out about this? I mean, I, I've got this really sad picture of, you know, old guys with binoculars hollering, <laughs> get off my quad. You, you know, I, it's but, you know, what's happening? First of all, it's really expensive. I mean, insane. It costs, expensive. you know, half a million, million dollars to buy into a, basically a dorm room, yeah. you know, on campus. And, and then it's still four, five, six grand a month. And, and it's funny, all these old people who are my age, which is a real sad thing to think about. <laughs> they're all complaining about the noise. This is the best part. Oh, these kids, they play their music too loud. Come on. If you buy a house next to an airport, you're going to get airplane noise. If you move onto a college campus, guess what? You're going to hear kids partying. Well, and you're right. Exactly. They've brought a lawsuit, right? <laughs> Some of the residents of this dorm, the Mirabella, have taken a lawsuit against the university saying there's this, um, you know, hot spot across the street called Shady Park and they're thump, thump, thumping yeah. their bass all night long and the kids are loud and they're partying. And yes, to your point. Um, what I, exactly did we expect here? Yeah, well, we were ahead of the curve in the late 70s. I lived in a 60-man fraternity house, and with 60 guys and hungry, you know, college kids, you you have a cook and a kitchen. And we had a hard time finding a cook until this guy Ernie showed up. We didn't know at the time Ernie was a homeless alcoholic, but he was a good <laughs> cook, okay? So he says, hey, guys, I'll take the job, but I have no place to live. Well, we had a closet on the ground, on the bottom floor of our, it looked like a dorm wing, on the bottom floor of our fraternity, and we fit an old mattress in there. About a third of it stuck out in the hall, so you couldn't close the doors. We oh found it. We found a dresser no. in the garbage, and we called it Ernieville, and Ernie lived there. <laughs> so we actually moved a, a, a senior citizen, somebody in their 60s, into our fraternity house and so we're ahead of the curve it worked out great yeah 
But Ernie knew what up. he was getting into. He was moving into a frat house, right? Yes. He yes. did not complain when the when the music was loud. I just want it to be known I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> yes. Something like that, Steve. Something like that. All right. Well, when the date says October 13th, there's a lot of things on your mind, but probably holiday shopping isn't one of them. But we would say maybe this year it needs to be for a number of reasons. Last year we had supply chain issues. Some of those are lingering. That That's one thing to put out there. Yeah, and this almost sounds like a replay of October of 2021, doesn't it? Hey, it does. but that do, do your does. Christmas shopping early, do your holiday shopping early because there are supply chain problems. They're better. The supply yes. chain is way better, but it's still out there. And and, and same issues. Um, uh, computer chips, uh, getting getting uh, ships to dock and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, don't wait last minute again this year. Well, and you could say well, that was a year ago, right? Like it should be better by now. And to yeah. your point, yes, in some cases it is. But also since last holiday shopping season, well, there's been this huge storm. Uh, there's global events like the war in Ukraine. Uh, China has a zero COVID-19 Oh, they're still policy, shutting down factories. Has yeah. shut down major yeah. manufacturing, you know, Hurricane Ian, as we talk about that, the huge demand that remains in Florida for a lot of products for rebuilding, uh, you know, people down there are stranded, oh, homes are destroyed. I know all about that, yeah. yeah, the whole recovery effort down there is huge. And then other, I, I say random things, but like things that you wouldn't think about, the Mississippi River yeah. is actually approaching record low water levels. Yeah, I what? think the number I saw was 400 barges were stuck, stuck. you know, and they, they were waiting for a good rain so these barges can move again. You know, this is, it, it, I don't it's know a, It literally is a perfect storm. What, we didn't have these, is society moving backwards or forwards? I mean, we didn't have these problems years ago. I, I'll tell you one. Remember that, that railroad strike that was averted? Well, yeah, maybe. You were celebrating that because you said, yeah. hey, if this happens, this is going oh, to be a huge like deal. Like a quarter of impact. all goods are moved by railroads. Well, one union didn't like their 25% pay increase. Yeah, you oh. know, so this is not a done deal, and, and it is going to affect holiday season again, especially something with a computer chip. So if you're buying something with a computer chip and it's on sale sometime in the next couple of weeks or between now and Thanksgiving, you know, Black Friday, um, you might want to think about just grabbing it now. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about like what this means to you. First of all, I, there's no waiting for later to see if there's better deals on Black Friday, right? That just doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but second, there are some deals out there at certain retailers because inventory has started to come in. And they have, in some cases, 20, 40 percent more inventory than they had this time last year going yeah. into the holiday season. And so they are already discounting things that came in over the summer that they still haven't sold. Now, the question is, are those things things that you would want to buy for people for yeah, holidays? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, it, it, it could be, I don't know, summer shorts, flip-flops. Well, maybe that doesn't help you, but some of the things probably will. So looking for deals and discounts now probably will help. Also, there was this cycle that existed for years and years and years in holiday shopping, right? Black Friday, mm -hmm. Cyber Monday, the shopping after Thanksgiving. That is a thing of the past. Now Amazon's got a second Prime Day coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah, and don't fall into this trap, though. Uh, my wife, Anne, she found something that uh, she liked that was on a, a great deal. And she said, just consider this my Christmas gift. I know after 38 years, oh, no, 
She's getting a Christmas gift. I'm there not going to fall for that There will also be a Christmas trap. gift. Yes, indeed. Yes, she's indeed. A, she's a very smart woman. Here's the all-worth advice. This isn't the year to procrastinate, do your holiday shopping, get on top of it now to ensure you get what you want. And also, when you look at inflation right now, right, things costing so much more, if you get a deal, snatch it up. As you know, we are incredibly passionate about financial literacy. Next, we've got some dear friends making sure more kids are getting the money lessons they need to thrive. We'll explain. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. You know, we are incredibly passionate about financial literacy here at Allworth Financial. We have been on the show uh, for years and years and years, huge advocates of that. And we have partnered uh, over those years with the UC Economic Center that does just an amazing job on so many levels of educating really from some of the youngest children on up the basics, the fundamentals of understanding money uh, in finances. And joining us tonight is Julie. Heath. Uh, she's the executive director of the UC Economic Center and APA family chair in economics. Um, Julie, let's talk about the Smart Path program because that specifically is something that is having a huge impact on children learning about these incredibly crucial concepts. The Smart Path program was started several years ago with a um, very generous $1 million donation from one of our board members, Peter Allpaw. And since we uh, started the program, it's, it's a platform. It's for grades K through 8. It teaches them economics, financial education. Um, there's a lot of math mixed in so that teachers can kill um, three birds with one stone. Um, the platform itself is um, driven by stories, a different story at each of those levels. And <clears throat> it's all animated and very colorful, engaging uh, it's won, oh, I don't know how many national curriculum awards. Um, it's been recognized uh, nationwide. Uh, we supplemented it with some puppets uh, mm -hmm. for the, the smaller kids. Uh, we partnered with WCET and Megan Pythas, who's a tremendously talented um, ventriloquist and singer. And Bootsy Collins was a part of that, too. And that effort won three Emmys. So... Um, we're, we're just always looking for ways to expand and improve so that we can reach as many children as possible. Julie, as someone who went all the way through school, right, kindergarten through high school without ever having a personal finance class, I, I love the fact that we are getting into these classrooms at the age of kindergarten. Let's talk about just specific concepts uh, that you think kids are really picking up on because of this program. Well, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, when they think of economic and financial education, they automatically go to, yes, high school students definitely need to learn that. Yes. And, boy, you get no argument from me. Uh, they absolutely do. But we don't wait until high school to teach anything else. Um, so while I agree with that statement, um, I would add that we need to start much younger, like we do every other subject. And then by the time uh, high school students get to that financial education course in high school, which is now required thanks to the um, Ohio legislature, by the way, yeah. um, it actually has something to stick to. Uh, you know, we don't wait until high school to say, wow, it's time kids learn some science. Um, we start with the concepts they can understand and build on those years, year after year. 
And we do the same thing uh, with economic and financial education. So with the lower grades, we teach them concepts like you can't have everything you want. Mm -hmm. um, you have to make choices. When you make a choice, you incur an opportunity cost. Um, we teach them when they get a little bit older um, about needs and wants. We teach them um, how to budget, uh, what happens when you save and when you don't save. So it's, they are concepts that are absolutely accessible to these little kids. Little kids become consumers at a frighteningly young age. <laughs> Well, and Julie, and, uh, I've seen research that children have kind of their basic kind of knowledge of money and how they're going to spend it, what their relationship with money is going to be, sometimes in place by as early as age seven. Uh, and so seven. if they're if they're not learning about these concepts in a, in a very constructive, concrete way in school, uh, it scares me to think, you know, what that relationship with money would look like down the road. Exactly. Um, you know, the kids are bombarded with consumerism, with ads, yeah. with, uh, with all kinds of things from, from preschool very, very early. So we need to give them the sense that they are in control of themselves when faced with those, that kind of messaging. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55 KRC. We're joined by Julie Heath. She's director of the UC Economic Center talking about the Smart Path program. It can be used in your children's classrooms to really educate them K through 8th. But Julie, one of the things um, that's been lacking with this program is that it can't reach everyone, right? It is for English-speaking students, but that's about to change. That is about to change. Um, we have we, we took a look at the platform and um, as as proud as we are of it and as uh, many thousands and thousands of children as it reaches we recognize that it wasn't diverse yeah and so we added a component um, that if teachers or parents it's also available to parents it's free um, if if they want to have some racial and social justice discussions, we, we give them materials to do that. If a parent or student has a child with some cognitive disabilities, we give them the resources to be able to connect um, their child with the platform. But there was still this missing piece in terms of inclusion, and that was having it be available in Spanish. Mm. Um, we have... Um, there are over 3,000 um, Ohio students using platform, uh, using the SmartPath platform now. Um, a fair amount of those are Hispanic students. Um, so uh, we have, uh, I have been trying for a couple of years now to get the funding to fund a Spanish translation of the platform. And um, I'm very pleased to say that we are there. And we are so excited to be part of this announcement because um, people who are very near and dear to our hearts here on the Simply Money Show, um, Ed Fink and Nathan Backright, right, the founders of Simply Money, they were co-hosts of the show for decades and have always been huge advocates here in the tri-state and in really everywhere um, for educating people about money. And they are two of the people who stepped, in, uh, stepped up in order to make this happen, right, Julie? They are. Um, Nathan and Ed and Bill Nyer, uh, who is, uh, uh, Nathan is on our board, 
and Bill Nyer is also on our board, a longtime board member. And so the three of them uh, came together and uh, now we have the funding to translate the platform um, into Spanish. Um, we know just in with the uh, Cincinnati Public Schools, the CPS alone, over 3,200 students um, are native Spanish speakers. Mm -hmm. So um, having, it, it's a federal law that materials be provided in, um, in uh, countries of origin language so that students can more easily make the transition to their new country. And, and Spanish, of course, is, is the largest of, of the non-English speaking. So uh, we're just very, very proud and uh, so very grateful um, to, uh, to Nathan and to Bill and to Ed uh, for giving this opportunity to reach even more students. For longtime listeners of the show, you will just understand what a big deal this is for us because we truly are passionate about making sure that everyone, everyone is educated about money. And Julie, I think you made a great point, right? You're not going to have someone uh, reach high school level and never have had a science class before. So introducing them, th these concepts to everyone um, at kindergarten through eighth grade is going to be just a game changer in the lives of these children. And we're so glad that we've been able to be part of that. Of course, Ed Fink and Nathan Backrack, uh, Bill Nyer also um, giving money to be part of that. Um, excited to be part of this announcement, the UC Economic Center Smart Path Program. I'm looking at the page right now. If you've never checked it out, go there. If you are a parent or a grandparent or an educator, great resources for your children. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. Do you finally, maybe now, feel comfortable thinking about going on a cruise? Well, if you do, we've got some unreal deals you're going to want to hear about. That's straight ahead. To convert or not to convert, we're talking about the Roth conversion here. Yeah. Uh, there are certain times when you'll see more headlines or more people talking about this because the kind of current situation might make it a little more favorable. So right now, right, markets are down. Uh, you can buy more. You, can, you would pay less in taxes because that money is worth less right now or that investment is worth less. So there's a lot of people talking about maybe you should convert to a Roth IRA. Yeah, and, and it's not a gimme. And, and that's what I want to uh, make clear and, and definitely talk to a tax advisor before you make a final decision. But yeah, you're right, Amy. This is a time of year where you take a hard look at, okay, we're getting close to the end of the year. How much is my taxable income going to be? Do I have some room in my tax bracket before it jumps up? And, and the reason that's important is, you know, if you are retired and taking money out of a traditional IRA you or, or 401k, you are more than familiar with, yeah, that's taxable income. I pay a lot in tax on that. You pull money out of a Roth IRA, if it's been there long enough and you're over 59 and a half, it, it's tax-free. Okay, we like tax-free better. Well, you can convert a traditional IRA into a Roth IRA partially, fully, but it's a taxable event. In other words, the government is not going to let you make a change so that you get tax-free income without you having to pay tax at some point. And, and that's the whole point of a Roth conversion and the reason you want to take a hard look at it before you make that decision. If you transfer money from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, you will pay tax on the amount that you transfer over. Why would you do it? 
Well, you know what? If you're a married couple and you make less than eighty thousand dollars, eighty-one thousand or thereabouts, um, you're in the twelve percent tax bracket adjusted gross. If you're over eighty-one thousand, you're at about twenty-two thousand. So let's just say your adjusted gross is sixty thousand dollars and you're paying twelve percent tax on it. You might want to move twenty thousand dollars from your traditional to your Roth IRA. Yeah, you pay tax on it, but it's at 12%. You didn't go over the threshold and start paying 22%. And now you got some money in a Roth that's going to be tax-free if you leave it there five years. So it's not a gimme. Okay, you're going to pay tax on the money, and you got to leave it there five years to get the earnings out tax-free. But I'll tell you what, if you want to move money out of an IRA into a Roth, this is a time of year you should take a hard look at it because you're starting to get close to knowing what your gross income is going to be for this year. We talk about the flexibility that you have when you have different kinds of accounts, investment accounts with different tax treatments, right? If everything yeah. is tax deferred, well, you are going to pay taxes on every single penny you take out of them at your current income level, right? Yeah. If some of it is converted into a Roth or in a Roth savings vehicle, well, you don't pay taxes on that money when you pull yeah. it out. But here's the key, right? Does it make sense or doesn't it make sense? When you are, say, say you've got $100,000 in a in traditional IRA that you're looking mm-hmm. to move, okay? But if if you pull more than 40000 out, well, that's going to bump you up into another tax bracket. That doesn't right. make sense. Yeah. So you're going to move 40000 over this year. That's fine. Where is the money that you're going to pay the taxes from? If you have to yeah. pull part of that 40000 out to pay taxes, you are losing some of the money that you had invested. Doesn't make sense. If the tax money comes from somewhere else, then it then it could make sense, right? But there's a lot more to think through here well, than, than just to, all right, someone says to convert into a Roth. I'll do that. Yeah, there's a lot of people in our industry that run seminars and say, just do it. It's the best thing around, and it's a way yeah. to get you in the door. It's it's not. you got to examine your specific situation. And little things like, okay, I've got after-tax contributions in my traditional IRA. Well, that screws up the equation. Yeah, you know, so that may that may determine. No, I don't want to do a Roth because of the after-tax money. And I'll tell you tell you the other thing because some people get so wrapped up in taxes that oh, I don't want to pay tax. I want everything getting into a Roth. And I've seen people convert one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars in a given year Ooh. into a Roth, and they pay tax on that amount that they convert. And then okay, well, I understood that. I had the money in a separate account to pay the tax on. I just want it in the Roth. And then they get their Medicare bill. And you know what? If you go $1 over the threshold with Medicare, you pay a different premium. The average... And it is a pretty penny. Oh, that yeah. premium is a lot. It catches people off guard. It, it does. Most people pay $170 a month for Medicare. But if you do a big Roth conversion and for that year your income is over $170,000, you are going to be paying $544 a month Medicare. So that's that's also another consideration that you want to take a hard look at before you do a Roth conversion. With that said, still look into it because it has advantages if you do it within the constraints of the rules of a Roth conversion and you're comfortable with them, but talk to your tax advisor first. Well, and I think one of the advantages, too, is if you're planning on leaving that money to heirs, right? Yeah. You're passing that money down. It becomes a lot less complicated as to when they have to take that money out, when they have to pull distribution. So, so that can be beneficial. But here's the thing. If you are going to leave that money to a charity, it doesn't make sense to make the conversion. It really because doesn't. No. the charity never has to pay taxes on that money. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. it, the rules are different if that money's being left to a charity. So just lots to think through if you're considering a Roth conversion. Yeah, I, I think for a lot of people, it's worth looking into. For some of those people, okay, I'm going to do some, but not a whole lot because I don't want to blow into the new tax bracket. And it's awful nice. I, I like having options in, in for anybody, you know, clients or myself, um, so that in retirement, I would love to have fifty, eighty thousand dollars in in a Roth IRA that I could draw from more than that in a traditional IRA, which grows tax deferred. And that way I've got a choice. I need a new car when I'm in my, you know, late sixties. Do I pull it out of a Roth tax free? Uh, I have five years passed and, and you know, the, the other rules, I might do that. Uh, or I might pull it out of the traditional, pay my tax on it, but reduce the amount in the traditional so I have lower required minimum distributions. So these are all things to think about before you sign the paperwork. You have options, right? You Here's do. the all-worth advice. If it's done correctly, a Roth conversion can be a powerful tool. If not done properly, though, this could cost you thousands. So just make sure you do your research first. How does a crew sound right now, about now? For some, you can get them for $30 a night. Some insane deals. We're going to talk about those next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money, presented by Allworth Financial. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. If the pandemic scared you off from going on a cruise, but now... The thought of it doesn't make you so scared. Well, there are some deals out there. I don't know. I don't know, Steve. Like, I just don't know if I'm there yet. I, I, I was. I've been on a couple of cruises. In Have my you? Life. I'm, I've I'm never not done a, one. Never done I was, one. I was going to ask you where yeah. you fall on this. No, ne- never done one. I, I'm open to the idea, but you know, Ann and I, we don't drink hardly at all. So you know, free alcohol or being included in the price doesn't you know really matter. Don't eat a, a lot. Okay, so free. I, I there's not a lot going for it in in my view, and I'm a cheap skate there they can be pretty expensive not lately though i was gonna say well then maybe now's the time for yeah. you to take your first cruise cruise mr sprovac carnival has dropped some prices to 26 dollars a day yeah that's for nuts four night trips this will be like right around thanksgiving time at the end of the month a four-night carnival voyage out of miami 104 dollars per person total 26 yeah. bucks a day takes you out of miami to the bahamas doesn't sound bad. I, I got a funny feeling that's not a balcony with a couple of windows on the outside. Oh, you're in steerage. Yeah. You're oh, under you're, the. Yes. You're, you're under somebody's bed, and you got to mop the floors before you go to bed at night. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's going to be a cheap one. But even some of the nice ones, like Norwegian, I mean, they're they're running pretty good deals. Here's the thing that you have to keep in mind as you're looking at a cruise. Um, some of them are just bare bones, right? And, and you mentioned alcohol. Most of them you have to pay extra for alcohol. You have to pay extra for Wi-Fi. You have to pay extra for all the excursions. Okay. So while some have lowered prices to what seem like insane deals, and they are, you also have to keep in mind, okay, but if I'm going to have any drinks, if I'm going to do jet skiing or snorkeling or whatever, I'm going to pay on top of that. What some have done is say, we're not going to lower our prices, but we're giving free excursions, free alcohol, free upgraded packages. So if you have ever been into cruising or interested in trying it and you're not nervous anymore about being on a ship full of people, you know, floating through the ocean, if you feel okay about that, I'm telling you, now is the time to look. We've been talking about holiday travel prices, how insane yeah. they are. This is the place where there's the deal because the cruise industry is trying to put themselves back out there and saying like, hey, it, I'm just it's glad they're safe back. to board. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad they're back. That's the key. And, and it's good people are out enjoying life again. Thank you for listening tonight. We hope you come back tomorrow. We're talking about uh, the ways that your mental health is impacted by your money. You've been listening to Simply Money presented by Allworth Financial here on 55KRC, the talk station.